Hey, everybody. Welcome to No One Told Me, where hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and every single week, we try to tackle seasons and topics that we really wish someone would have given us more of a heads up on, that maybe someone would have said, hey, prepare for this part, because it really stinks to find yourself in the middle of it, and you're like, I, I know other people have been through this, right? I know other people have felt this. Why did no one tell me this was going to happen? And a lot of those topics are sent in from you guys, the listeners. You come and you find us at NOTM Podcast on Instagram. You find the Facebook group. You email and you say, hey, here's something that I wish someone would have told me about. Or you say, hey, I'm about to go into this season or I'm in this season. I really need some heads up on what to expect. Well, today we're going to talk about a topic that is probably one of the most asked for topics. Maybe this fall. I don't want to say the whole year because... What a year, right? I mean, I know you're probably tired of hearing that. We all know it has been a doozy of a year. But have you ever felt pressure to be like someone else in any given setting? Right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, be more outgoing. Be less loud. Try not to be so quiet. Smile more. And the absolute worst. And I mean, there is not much more that will bring out the rage in me other than calm down. If you tell me to calm down, you will get the exact opposite of calm. But I feel like we live a chunk of our lives thinking we need to be more like someone else. I don't mean points of growth like patience, understanding, kindness, which truthfully, I think we all need more of that. I'm talking about personality traits. Like for me personally, I've been told I'm too loud, too talkative, I'm intimidating, that overall, I just come on too strong. I guess I really do uh, kind of fulfill what my dad always said when I was growing up. He used to call me a bull in a china shop. And when I try not to be that, well, I don't really know who I am. I honestly don't really know how to act. And then I feel even worse by the end of the interaction. So then there can be this weird anxiety around meeting new people altogether because you think you're too whatever. And so this episode is for anyone who has felt like you're not blank enough, funny enough, quiet enough, inviting, loud, happy, empathetic enough. Our guest, Holly Girth, is an author and life coach who I stumbled on because of her passion for building real, life-shaping relationships by leaning into who you are instead of what you feel like someone expects you to be in any given setting. But this episode is also for those of us who take a minute to figure out how to make friends once you're out of your college bubble. You know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, for me, for example, I graduated college and the majority of my friends moved to Nashville. And so here I was. I mean, I had a handful of friends, but then we started moving into different seasons. Like I got married and I was the first one to get married in our friend group, or I was the first one to get pregnant or, you know, it's like I was always in a different season and it felt like I didn't have as close of friends as I used to. So how do you continue to lean into growing relationships when everything else seems to pull you away from it? Really, let's just boil it down to how do you make friends? See, a bunch of us adults were asking the question for the first time because we've lived our lives essentially being friends with whoever we're around right? And then we go into the real world and learn, usually the hard way, friendships are intentional. They're not optional. They don't just happen. It requires vulnerability, authenticity, and most importantly, time. And I would say in your adult life, those are the top three things you will struggle with. So many of you have been asking the same question this year. How do you make friends as an adult? And I just happened to rediscover this episode Holly and I recorded a while back, and I knew now was the perfect time to air it. So here it is. Making friends when you're an adult and why it's really okay to just be you. 
Holly, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, what you love to do, all that good stuff. Well, I'm an author. That's the fancy side of what I do. So I've written several books. I have a podcast of my own with two dear friends and fellow authors called More Than Small Talk. And I share my home with my husband, Mark, and we have a unique family story because we couldn't have kiddos of our own. And God brought our daughter into a our life when she was 20. She basically aged out of the foster system. And so in the last five years, we have done becoming parents, becoming in-laws, and now becoming grandparents. Wow. You really fast-tracked yeah. that, Holly. That's great. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so that's the family side. And I like coffee and dark chocolate. And you're what? You're based in Arkansas right now? Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. I grew up in Texas, but now live in Arkansas. Does that make you a Razorback fan? Tell me the truth, it Holly. Does. Well, you know, honestly, I don't pay a lot of attention to football, but Technically, yes. I guess that would be the closest thing. <laughs> if I have to claim something, I will claim the Razorbacks. Yeah. But a lot of what you talk about goes in on, you know, the building the relationships and finding out who you are and what your value is and, and that line of thought. And I think that gets harder as we get older, I think, because we put a whole lot more thought into it. But especially the building relationships part, it changes with every season. You know, we make it all the way to college with friends we've just been around. So that's why they're our friends. And then making friends is just simply who you're close to, right? Like all through elementary school, middle school, high school, and even college. It's, oh, you're sitting next to me. We are going to be friends now. But as you get into adulthood, it's, it's hard to break through that small talk barrier. You know, I mean, it's hard to get past the, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is my family. Okay, now Mm -hmm. what? Why do you think it is so hard to get through that? I mean, why do we live in the how are you's and struggle to develop anything meaningful past that? Yeah, well, I think a lot of it is, like you said, there are a lot of responsibilities as a grown up that you don't have in other seasons of life. I think, too, that friendship a lot of times just feels optional. You know, it's one of those really good intentions that we say, one day I'll get to that, and then one day just doesn't come. Mm. And I think, too, we can sort of, you know, it's almost like social media can be like eating a snack that kind of fills you up enough to put off having the meal you really need, yeah. but doesn't necessarily feed you in the way, you know, you need most. And so I think we kind of survive use social media as filler where we don't feel the need as much as we might otherwise. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's a combination of a lot of different things. And I think really common, I recently read this whole big article where this study talked about that, that like most people as an adult friendship, it's just hard. And that's kind of reassuring to hear, you know, because you can think I'm the only one who's felt like, you know, I'm having another awkward first date and it's a friend, you know? Yeah. I'm trying to find a friend. It's universal. Yeah. And I mean, even I love that concept that you just said that we treat friendship like it's optional. But then we face these seasons where we think, man, I wish I had that one person or a couple people, or maybe it's you do, but they're in cities like thousands of miles away from you. I know lots of people who, you know, they move around. Few people stay where they grew up, right? I mean, it's pretty common that you're going to move somewhere else and have to develop these new relationships. And a lot of times we do treat it like, well, it's optional. I don't have to. And even that concept, Holly, I've never thought about social media that way. I've thought about social media a lot and the goods and the bads. But that's a great analogy that it's like that snack 
And then we just keep pushing off the meal as if we don't really have to have it. I know for me in college, I'll never forget someone coming up to me. I remember exactly where I was. And they walked up to me and part of my I was an intern in college. And part of that was I developed relationships with people that was just a part of what I did. And someone came up to me and said, you are very good at surface. You Mm. can go and you can talk to that wall for about five minutes and learn like the surface things about it. And then you're done. And it was it was true. And they said, you have to allow people further in, like you have to build stronger relationships. And that does not which a lot of people will be surprised to hear that does not come naturally to me. Honestly, I'm very, very good at keeping the small talk going, going past that feels like too much, it starts to feel a little bit like a burden, which is not the truth of it. But how can we take steps toward breaking down those walls? I know a lot of people find themselves like I want to go deeper, but I don't know how. How do you look at that? How do you take that on? Yeah. And I think that's so interesting because I would be the opposite. Like small talk is really hard for me, you know, because I'm an introvert and like, I'm like, all right, let's get deep. You know, I don't know what to say. And so (laughs) I, you and I would make a great pair. It would work out. Like a conference, I immediately find someone to be my designated extrovert. That's what I call them. Just put me in front of you. I will find you people. (laughs) I will warm them up for you and I will pass them off. That's what I do. That's right. Yeah. So you do small talk and if someone starts crying, I'll take it from there. That is that is a dream team right there, Holly. <laughs> but yeah, so I think part of it is understanding how we're wired. And I don't know where that person who said that to you was coming from, but I don't necessarily see that as a negative. Mm-hmm. You know, I just mm-hmm. think God is giving you a gift probably for connecting with a lot of different people, for being able to hand that variety. You're probably good in groups and, you know, making people feel connected. And, and I'm you know, more wired for one-on-one and longer conversations and deep. So I think we give ourselves permission to stay in that sweet spot and then to say, am I out of balance? Like, Mm. am I doing this because I'm afraid or because, you know, there's something coming in the way of doing the thing that isn't my natural strength that I maybe can deal with, you know? Mm. And so I think just pausing and giving ourselves permission to And then saying, you know, do I individually feel connected in a way that I'm satisfied with? You know, because Mm -hmm. really, none of us have to have a certain amount of relationships in our life. We don't even have to have a certain amount of depth in those relationships. I had this aha when I was reading scripture that there are no, like, numbers attached to being a loving person. You know, it's not like... You have to socialize with 14 people every week or, you know, you need only one best friend or there's no parameters. We just Mm -hmm. have, you know, the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 where love is just behavior. Love Mm -hmm. is patient. It's kind. And whether we're doing that to one person or 10, I don't think matters that much, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. But I think if there is some part of us that's saying, you know, there's something missing in my relational life. Like I do want to go deeper and I can't. Or I want to have more fun and I feel stuck in the depths, you know? Yeah. And just saying, what is that obstacle? So for me, it's fear. You know, mm-hmm. I, I get scared when I'm taking, making small talk because I think I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm going to do the wrong thing. You know, new people, I'm not sure how to read them yet. What if they don't like me? Like, that's a, just a harder, scarier situation for me. And so taking that to God and saying, okay, how do I deal with that? 
Yeah. And you know, it's funny that you say what your fears are. I had a conversation with a friend of mine who is also she's very similar to me in being extroverted. And one of the problems we run into all the time is we do say things we should not say. But on the other side of that, I think I started going a little bit deeper after that conversation in college. And I thought I've never thought that about myself. And it wasn't a negative conversation. It was just people are trying to go deeper with you. And you kind of throw up a wall to it. And yeah. I started kind of thinking about, okay, why do I do that? Why do I like to keep things surface? And the truth is, like you just said, it's safer. And I think we can all say that to some degree when we keep people in a certain category in our lives, nine times out of 10, there's a fear that's making us keep them there. But I think my fear was what if they get to know me and they don't like it? Like, what if they like this surface, Callie? But if they go deeper, they think, oh, gosh, she's not that great. You know, my fear was on almost the flip side of what you're saying. It wasn't so much I'm going to say the wrong thing or whatever. It was they're going to have liked the first impression and not liked the deeper. But that fear problem derails us quickly. And a lot of times it can lead to isolation. Why is it that that fear is so quick to derail us from maybe some healthy steps forward? I think because relationships matter to us, you know, if we're afraid about something, it's because we value it. You know, we don't worry about losing what doesn't matter to us. Yeah, sure. So I think first we can say, okay, I'm scared because people matter to me. You know, I want connection in my life. I want relationships. And then pausing to say, you know, is there a lie behind this fear? Like yours, if people really know me, they're not going to love me the same, Mm. you know? And I think we all have those. Like I tend to think I'm not enough, you know, whatever it is in the situation, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not cool enough. I'm not talkative enough. Like whatever it is, you know, that not enough sneaks in and then saying, okay, if that's a lie, then what is the truth God says instead? And you know, it's that, We are all imperfect, but we're also wonderfully made and we're messy and we're miracles all at the same time. And I think when we step outside that fear, we give other people permission to do the same, you know? Yeah. So I think that might be a starting place to just recognize it is vulnerable to connect with other people. And I don't think there's any way around that, but it's still worth it. That does make me um, wonder for you, Holly, when you find yourself in the, find yourself in those predicaments, when you're like, you know, you, since you're introverted, when you are, ha- you're forced to be extroverted, I'm sure you find yourself, whether it's at a conference or in any scenario where you're like, okay, I have to turn it on a little bit. What do you do practically leading up to or in those moments that helps you kind of step past that fear? Yeah. Well, one thing is I've learned to really budget my energy. Yeah. So I know if I'm about to go to a big conference, then I probably shouldn't schedule a lot right before or right after because I'm going to need more quiet time. Sure. You know, and to have my energy level up at the conference, I try to room by myself if I can so that I have a place that I can go catch my breath. Mm. Or if I'm rooming with someone, I just say, hey, heads up, I might need to take a nap. And that has nothing to do with how I feel about you. Sure. Yeah. And then, like I said, I literally do find like a designated extrovert to hang out with me. (laughs) And so, yeah, or find one-on-one conversations, just coming to understand, you know, this is how I'm wired. And I think it's about 
you know, daring still to do things that are hard and scary, but also knowing our limits so that Mm -hmm. we don't push past them in a way where we get injured. It's kind of like running. I'm not a very good runner. I'm an awkward runner, but I do run. And I think it's that point where we're challenging ourselves, but we're not pushing so hard. We're going to end up injuring ourselves. Yeah. And I think that's true socially too. Like, yes, we all need to challenge ourselves to get outside of our comfort zone, but we also need to honor who God made us. And it's okay if we need a break or if we need more social time or whatever it is that fits with who he made us. And you know, I, the way that you talk about being introvert versus being extrovert, and you said it just a few minutes ago that it's not one way is not better than another way. Like it's not a right or wrong scenario. It doesn't make you better or worse, whichever one, whichever one you fall in. I mean, my husband is an extreme introvert. I mean, if we are out somewhere, I've said it several times, if we are out in a group of people, find a wall and he will be leaning against it. You know, like he wants space from it. And if you look for me, I'll be in the middle of it. And we're just very different in that way. But he also, if I say to him, hey, you need to step into this more. He'll say to me, you need to step out of it. Like you, <laughs> he says it all the time. We had someone come over to the house the other day, Holly. It was a friend of his that I hadn't met yet. And this guy shows up and we're out the driving the driveway talking. And I go a mile a minute when I first meet people. And, you know, by the time in five minutes, Holly, I had tried to cut, make him come inside and eat dinner with us. And I just met this guy. <laughs> Didn't even know this guy. And he drove away and Ryan was like, you know, I love you so much. But sometimes you come on a little strong, like sometimes you need to take a breath. And he wasn't saying what I was doing was wrong. I think people look at extroverts or introverts with certain stereotypes, right? I mean, like extroverts are, they're always on and they're always fun and people want to be around them. And introverts are just like, if you want quiet and be alone. And that's not, that's just not true, you know, but I think we find a lot of that in our insecurities. Like, however, I think about myself, however you think about yourself or other people, a lot of it's rooted in those insecurities. And how do you see those insecurities play out in the lives of the women that you're interacting with? Yeah. Well, I think every woman I've ever met either struggles with feeling she's not enough or too much. Yes. <laughs> or sometimes both <laughs> at the same time. Yes. You know? And so, again, just recognizing, like, that's just part of being human. And like you were talking about introverts and extroverts, my next book is actually about introverts, which I'm so excited about. But I've gotten to really dig into the brain science behind that. And introverts and extroverts are actually wired very differently when it comes to, like, our neurotransmitters and our nervous systems and our brain pathways. And when I look at that, I just think, wow, like, God made all of us intentionally. You know, that there's never going to be another you. There's never going to be another me. And just embracing that, giving ourselves permission to embrace that, I think is important. And I think something that trips us up a lot is comparison. You know, like Mm -hmm. you gave that example where you're inviting this guy you hardly know into your house. Like if I'd been standing there, the dialogue in my head would have been like, she is such a better Christian than me. (laughs) Like, you know, like look at her loving her neighbor. She just met this guy and she's already like opening her home and her heart to him. And like, why can't I be more like that? And, you know, maybe I'd have that dialogue less now that I understand more. But that definitely has been you know, the kind of thing that would run through my mind. And so I think catching ourselves in that and saying, you know what, God doesn't compare us to anyone else but Jesus. Mm. So we don't, we don't have to be like each other. In fact, we're intentionally different so that we can complement each other. And 
you know, encouraging each other as women, pointing out and saying, hey, I see this strength in you and it's different than mine or, you know, that kind of thing. Because I think comparison is just at the root of a lot of it. And it gets worse. You know, you think you're at your worst. If you think back to like high school or college, you think comparison is like an all time high. But I feel like it is it's in every season. I think I don't know that I've faced a season yet where it does not show up in some form, whether it is in dating, engagement, weddings, marriage, mothering, whatever it is, I've yet to face a season that this comparison doesn't sneak in. So I think that's, that's a great point, Holly. But also, I love that you're getting into the ins and outs of introverts and extroverts. I think that is absolutely fascinating. I think I even looked, you had a blog post, I think about introvert and extrovert friendships, like, Here's what an introvert needs from in a friendship kind of deal, right? Am I, is that what, okay, I thought I read that. It's called Seven Ways to Love an Introvert. (laughs) Yes, but it's, I mean, it's true because you feel like an introvert, they're not putting up a wall. It's not a wall that you're looking at. It's just they receive things differently. And I've learned that with my husband, that he, he needs things said and done differently than I do. But on the introvert side of it, Holly, because Lord knows I cannot speak to a lot of it from, from my perspective. But will you talk a little bit about that post? Yeah. Well, I just kept thinking about it. And I think introverts sometimes are misunderstood, you know, in our culture. And so I just wanted to say what probably a lot of my introvert people would like to say, yeah. you know, how, you know, but they won't say, yeah, like tag your mother-in-law in a post and write it <laughs> yes. up and text it to her. So just putting that out there into words was important and helping people feel less alone. Like you're not the only one who ever feels this way. And just helping us understand each other because then as I thought it would, a lot of extroverts said, well, here's how to love an extrovert. And I felt like I learned so much. Like my daughter is an off the charts extrovert. And I've had to learn a lot about like, okay, you know what? I communicate indirectly. That's just my communication style. Like Mm -hmm. she is very direct. And so when I filter or I hold back, she doesn't experience it as love. She experiences that as disengagement, Mm. you know? And so even knowing that, like, okay, I would not use this exact wording or even this volume with an introvert friend, but my daughter needs me to that so that she's like, okay, mom's mom cares. Like she's passionate. She's engaged. I can see and hear what she thinks and feels, you know? And so I think just learning each other's communication styles can be really helpful. And again, saying, you know what? It's never one-sided. Like I would never want introverts to be like, oh, extroverts need to just adjust to who I am, you know, or vice versa. It's saying, okay, how can we understand each other better so that we can serve each other better and make the most of all of our strengths? Yeah. And Holly, I am, I'm so curious. You said your daughter is, when you she came into your life, she was 20 and she had just come out. How did you all meet? How did that come to be? I'm just curious. Yeah. Well, Mark and I had gone through almost a decade of infertility and all that goes with that. And then I felt like God just started bringing my heart to a place of healing in that. You know, one day he took me to a place in Genesis where mother, sorry, you can edit that out. (laughs) Eve is called the mother of all living. And I felt like he showed me all women are mothers because all women bring life to the world in some way. Yeah. And so I kind of accepted that and leaned into it, which was a long 
process, but sure, I felt like yeah. we got there that I was birthing books. I was a word mama. Mm. And then I saw this 2020 special about kids who basically age out of the foster system and 18, they're told, have a nice life, mm. you know? And I thought, who's going to walk them down the aisle? Like who's going to rock their babies? Oh, wow. Yeah. Who's going to help them figure out their careers? Like where are they going for the holidays? Like this isn't okay. Yeah. You actually have your parents longer as an adult most of the time than you do as a kid living oh, in their house. Yeah. And so it was just one of those moments where I thought not okay. And so when people would ask us, have you thought about adoption? I started saying, well, if we adopt, we're adopting a 20-year-old. <laughs> and people were like, okay. <laughs> but one of my friends said, do you know about Saving Grace? And it turned out there was a transitional living home being built in our city for girls who age out of the foster system or would otherwise be homeless. So I contacted the founder and said, I have this crazy dream. And she's like, I have this crazy dream. And so we connected and then life got really busy. And a few years later, she asked me to come to a banquet celebrating the accomplishments of the girls. And I went to that banquet and Lavelle, who's now our daughter, was there. And we connected and God just made it clear over time that we we're supposed to be family I went over and had lunch with her and she asked about our family story and I said, yeah, we don't have kids. And at the end she said, well, you can just be my mom. Oh, wow. <laughs> and yeah, so that's how it started. And then she met Mark and we began spending time together and that's been six years ago now. I so. I love so much, Holly, how you just pointed out how all the different ways that God met your needs in ways that you would have never imagined he would. But that he kind of met you with what you wanted, but you didn't know it's what you wanted. I love that's a beautiful story, Holly, right there. And it's a huge encouragement, I think, to women who are in seasons of this is what I thought it would be, but it's not. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean it's the end. You know, I I think we can get trapped in that lie quite a bit. No, I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't trade it. You know, and then we now have our granddaughter, Eula, who's a little over two years old. Yeah. And so, you know, when you're in a waiting season and nothing is happening, a lot of times it can feel like, where is God? Like, did he forget me? Is Mm -hmm. his timing off? Like, what's going on? So the day that we changed our daughter's last name to ours is August 28th. And we call it Girth Day. We celebrate it every year as a family. And guess what day Eula was born on? You are kidding me. Nope. August 28th. That is incredible. (laughs) That is absolutely incredible. I love that so much, Holly. Wow. That is, I love it. Well, that's something we've, I've been studying a lot just through the fall and winter in Exodus and when the Israelites are in the wilderness. And if there is one thing that God taught me over and over, and it's what you just described is that he doesn't leave us in the wilderness and he doesn't lose us in the wilderness. You know, he's always present in it with us, even if it doesn't feel like it, even if we can't see it. And your story is exactly that. But you were talking about your relationship with your daughter and learning, learning those forms of communication. And I'm sure it's not just with her. I'm sure it's across the board. You just have to learn how someone if there's one thing I've learned in my late 20s and early 30s, is that you have to know how someone's going to hear it before you say it. You have to think, okay, how approaches everything. And sometimes you need to say it how they need to hear it if you want to actually for it to be effective and maintaining those friendships and building those relationships with all of those ins and outs and learning. That's, that's hard. You know, it life is so busy. And it feels like you don't even have the time to 
get to know someone on that level. So how did building and maintaining relationships change for you over the years? I think the main thing is realizing that relationships always take intentional time. And that's something that shifts, I think, as adults, because like you said, in school, we have that time built in every day. You know, you know, yeah. you're going to each other in science class and just realizing as an adult, it doesn't work that way anymore. Maybe sometimes, like if you have a coworker that you see every day or someone at church, but usually if you say, I want to get to know this person on a deeper level, it means pulling out your calendar and saying, next Thursday at one o'clock, let's have coffee. Sure. Yeah. Next month, let's do it again. I think some of the parts of what make great relationships are the really boring things, like consistency and schedules and just making it happen. You know, we have family dinner once a week because otherwise life would just sort of go by and we would all intend to be together and it just wouldn't happen. Or Mm -hmm. with friends, I have a lot of recurring coffee dates on my calendar where once a month or whatever we can manage, we just get to sit across from each other face to face. And so I think that prioritizing is really important and just saying, you know, this matters and it's not always going to be convenient and sometimes it's not going to work out and we'll have to reschedule. But I'm going to intentionally say, these are the people that I want to have in my life and I'm going to make sure to have that time with them. Mm -hmm. And if there is another thing that I can kind of add on to that, which is exactly what you said, it's when you make those commitments, keeping them. Because it's yeah. the what's the first thing to go like when you yeah. have a busy week or you feel like you're drowning in in whatever the first thing to go is those kinds of commitments you know the coffee dates or the lunches or the phone calls that's what you cut out first but a lot of times that's what you need the most in that moment is just like that that second of okay you know me well I'm gonna sit across from you and ter- tell you what's going on and you're gonna help me navigate it but I know for me. Those are the first things I cut out whenever I'm so busy. It is the number one thing that I'll say I can't make it. But that consistency, like you said, Holly, is such a key to actually having those meaningful, lasting friendships that they no longer just fall in your lap. You actually have to work at them again yeah. as you and get I think older. Understanding too, like what kind of time do you want with people? Like I had a really interesting conversation with my two friends who are my fellow podcast hosts, Susie and Jennifer, and we were talking about friendship and what kind of time we like to have with people. And Susie was like, I want to go on an adventure. Like I want to go hiking. I want to go kayaking. Like I want to be up and doing something together. And I was like, I want a coffee date. I want to look in your eyes, you know? And so those are two very different types of time. And then Jennifer said something different. So maybe for one person, they just want group time. They want Mm -hmm. all their people in a room around a table. And for someone else, they want to be outside with someone they care about. And someone else, they want to sit in a movie and not talk at all and just be there together. Yeah. So I think that's part of it, too. You know, it's like, if I'm not loving this way of engaging with people, do I really have to keep doing it this way? Is this the only way or I've, I maybe felt like I have to connect with people in this way when it's actually not that important to me. Yeah. I, I think, really, yeah, I, I think really we forget do something that fun instead of sitting here. Yes. I really, Holly, I think we forget that we get to decide that, you know, I mean, we don't just have to do it the way we've always done it. I, I think that is such a valid point too, that 
the way a lot of times after the fact, right? So after I'm in a group or after I do whatever with whoever I've made plans with, I rarely look back and think, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. You know, I mean, I usually come out of it better, but I also have to evaluate, does it fill me up or am I completely drained? You know, and I think that's what you're saying. You have to figure out what, what fills you the most and do that instead of doing things because you think you just simply have to do them that way. Yeah. In your, I'm curious too, what for you, are you like, this is the way I want to build my relationships. I mean, is it just one-on-one coffee dates for you? Yeah, pretty much. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> words. I need the words. <laughs> yes. All of them all day. I love it. Holly. <laughs> well, Holly, thanks again so much uh, for jumping on here with us. Before we go, why don't you share what project do you have coming up that you're going to release next that we can kind of get geared up and excited for? Yeah, well, that would be the introvert book. It's called The Powerful Purpose of Introverts, Why the World Needs You to Be You. I'm very excited about that book. And then maybe you can write the one called The Powerful Purpose of Extroverts. You know how long that book would be and how little sense it would make? I would just veer off in all sorts of directions, Holly. I, I, have, I have a lot of trouble staying on topic. I'll tell you that. Right. <laughs> but we'll go ahead. We'll link to uh, your website on show notes so people can kind of keep up with when I know there are, I think podcasts are made for introverts. I just am thinking about this. If like you can get all the information. That's what my husband said to me once about podcasts is I can get all the information and I don't actually have to have a full conversation with anybody. <laughs> I was like, I appreciate that about you. That's true. (laughs) All right, Holly, thank you so much again. We appreciate you. And I will make sure that our listeners can connect with you and find you through our show notes. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. I love ending every episode telling you how thankful I am for you, that you would take your time to listen to what we're trying to do here. So if you loved it, or even if you have feedback, I want to hear about it. You can either hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review, or you can just DM me on social media. Usually I'm on Instagram the most. It's at C-E-Holla. And again, I love hearing from you guys. So make sure you either write a review or send me a DM, which always seems a little bit desperate asking for it. But here I am asking anyways. Thanks again for tuning in.